from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Baha'i Perspective is a radio program of biographical interviews of people who have chosen the Baha'i faith as a way of life. Today I'm playing a telephone interview with Jamie Finley, a professional musician and a teacher of music at the Musicians Institute in Hollywood. His website is jamiefinley.com. I started the interview by asking Jamie where he grew up and what was it like growing up there. I grew up in the Seattle area in what is now called Shoreline. It wasn't called Shoreline then, it was just the unincorporated King County. I had kind of a glorious, (laughs) I would say, a glorious childhood because we lived in a real, kind of a, almost a rural setting, you know. I could spend 10 minutes on a trail and be down at the beach and along the railroad tracks, and I had lots of friends that I walked those areas with, and you know, we hung out in nature a lot. And then when my father wasn't working, we were in the mountains hiking or skiing or fishing or we were out boating and fishing or water skiing or, you know, just, it was just a lot of fun. I had kind of a, what I would like to refer to as an ideal or idyllic upbringing. I started playing music from the time I was about five on piano and then and then I saw the Beatles and some Northwest well-known uh, artists on television, and I decided that's what I wanted to do really young. And asked my parents for guitar and guitar lessons, and when I was eight, they gave me a guitar and, you know, for my birthday. It's been uh, a, being a musician or a guitarist. Ever since that time, I knew that's what I wanted to do, and I just stuck to it. Some ways, I'm you know, I wish I'd have taken it a little more seriously academically because it should make my life a lot easier right now. But, you know, I often think, okay, what else can I do? And I always, well, if I do anything else, I won't be able to spend as much time playing music. So it's always, you know, that's my yeah. trade-off. Yeah. I, I, I really love it. And I have a lot of wonderful colleagues I get to work with, and that's pretty special too. And then especially in the Baha'i faith, you know, I've played with a lot of, a lot of Baha'i artists and having that connection and the music is just more than anyone could hope for, I think. Now, do you collaborate so, with people? Yeah, I've I've done probably. Well, you know, I have I have favorites, but mm. any of them are really special. Mm. Red Grammar and I just reproduced a bunch of the children's class songs, so fifteen songs from the first fifteen lessons. There's some Baha'i children's classes that are focused on giving the children early development in spirituality and how to bring that spirituality in their everyday life as a part of service, as a part of remembering every day who God is and honoring Him and doing service to others in good deeds and good thoughts. And and there's these 15 songs that go with these 15 lessons. And Red Grammar and, and I have reproduce them to make them a little more friendly for, I guess, today's environment. Red Grammar is a well-known children's entertainer. 
and he and I collaborated on putting them together along with another friend of ours named Sean Gilmer. And that was a long project. They're going to be released, I think, coming up this, this next year. I've done some traveling and some performing with Tierney Sutton and Tom Price. Tierney Sutton's a, a real popular jazz singer right now, and she and I have done work around this area and in other areas, mostly at Baha'i School. And um, I've worked some with, with Danny Seals and Dash Croft and Paul Seaforth, just people from the past who have had quite a bit of success in music. Right, so Dash Cross being from the uh, 1970s group Seals and Crofts. Yeah. Dan Seals being a actually the brother of Jimmy Seals, but in his own right was an established country western singer who passed away, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah, two years ago now, yeah. in March. Yeah. And, you know, he was pretty big in the country world yeah. after his didn't list uh, England Dan and John Ford Coley. Right. You know, when he would sing, just just pure talent and heart coming out on the stage. Man. Actually, I did see him live. The Baha'is had a World Congress in 1992. Yeah. You're absolutely right. He does put his heart into his music when he performs. Everybody that I've heard mention him feels a big loss in his yeah. passing. Yeah. Jamie, what was uh, religious life gr- like growing up for you? Well... When I was really young, we would go to the Methodist church, I think, a lot. Then my father, as my father says, he found the mountains in the wilderness, and any time he had time off during the, during the weekend, that's where we were. He was a f- family physician. There was five of us kids, and we would, you know, we were up in the woods, up in the mountains, on the weekends, horsing around, you know, having fun. <laughs> that became... I think, the religious experience in my family. But we were open to all sorts of faiths. I ended up going to a lot of different churches with friends, and I went to a synagogue a few times with another friend, and I think I went to the Mormon church a couple times with another friend. I would ask God for assistance and help when I was in need, so I, I was aware that there was a God, you know, but I didn't. I didn't go to him on a daily basis like we do in the Baha'i faith. Then, when I was about 16 or 17, that song, Hummingbird, by Seals and Crofts, came out. And uh, I heard the the short version, the AM version, what <laughs> would refer to as the AM version, and liked it and went and got the sheet music, and the sheet music included the intro, which is beautiful, I would guess, polyphonic arrangement of these beautiful melody that asks for um, for God's assistance. And there's a quote from the faith in there that says, Lift me up to the heaven of thy holiness, O source of my being, which is from one of the prayers of Baha'u'llah. And I didn't know what that was, but I, I know I sang that over and over and over again because it was so beautiful. i 
about my faith through the woman who was a friend of mine that I was eventually going to marry. And then after we got married, I became a Baha'i, learned about the Baha'i faith, and I became a Baha'i. And then about 10 or 12 years after that, I ran across, across that line and that prayer and then put two and two together about eight years after that. I said, wait a second, that's that line that I used to sing out of that Seals and Crofts tune. That's how I became a Baha'i. I asked for it, you know. <laughs> over and over again. It's a really amazing story to me that, that I was kind of led down the garden path like that. But So you had no idea that either Seals and Crofts were Baha'is or that the uh, prayer was uh, a Baha'i prayer? No, I didn't even know it was a prayer. I just knew it was the intro to this song that was beautiful. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons that I, I don't like to, you know, music, music has been like that for me. It's always given me these nice little gifts through just being involved with it, you know. So that's kind of why I like to stay in music, even though the world is, you know, it's, it's a little harsh on, on artists. Not that I'm complaining, I'm just recognizing that's how it is, you know, it's just a little bit harsh. Jamie, can you explain that a little bit, what you mean by the world's kind of harsh on artists and musicians? Well, we get this gift and we kind of try to polish it and polish it and polish it and make it presentable. And everyone, I, I get the feeling that a lot of people think it comes easy. And, mm. you know, the, the inspiration may come easy, but the, the perfecting of it is difficult. And I get the feeling there's a lot of people that don't even recognize that it's, a, it's anything valuable. But there are those people that do, and that I'm just doing this because it's it's been a gift for me, and I want to make it a beautiful, a beautiful thing. It's just what it is. And when you get a recognition for having done something beautiful, it's almost like, well, wait, it's beautiful. It's it's my gift too, you know. We we try to make the world a better place, and it seems like if there were a few more people on our side, it'd be easier. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not going to stop me from continuing. I'm happy to do it. It's a nice life. You said you learned about the Baha'i faith through your wife? When we were dating, I went to her house after a concert one evening and for a visit and knocked on the door. and She had a prayer book in her hand and she was holding it behind her, kind of keeping it hidden from me. I asked her what she was holding, you know, what she was hiding. Oh, it's nothing. It's just this prayer book, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're friendly, and you're beautiful, and you're funny, and you're nice, and you do all this stuff, and you're spiritual? Wow, tell me more about this, you know. Did she have any idea that you were at all spiritual? I think she did, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's why, you know, after she became a Baha'i, what attracted her to me was that she thought I was a spiritual being. She thought that I'd be a Baha'i. And mm -hmm. so... It was just a matter of time. How did she introduce the Baha'i faith to you? Well, that's basically how she did it. Yeah. Hold on to that prayer book. Right. And then, and then uh, there's a book called uh, Baha'i World Faith, the writings of Baha'u'llah and Abdu'l-Baha on different subjects. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the first book I read. You know, I think the faith is so complex. In, you know, it's simple, but the, the details of it are, are really complex. When I started reading the writings of Baha'u'llah and Abdu'l-Baha, you know, I would read it in the morning, and I'd be thinking about it all day. How can someone make such a bold statement, you know? And then I'd think about it all day and come back and reread that same passage again in the evening. And by the, the evening, I, I didn't think it was a bold statement. I thought it was 
a beautiful statement and truthful. And then that seemed to happen several times. And finally, I talked to Jan into taking me to the Baha'i Center here in Los Angeles. And there is a gentleman here that served on the local spiritual assembly of Los Angeles named Burl Bullock. Burl impressed upon me the importance of reading about the history, the history of the faith, how people laid down their lives and sacrificed themselves just for the, the beginning of the faith. That's just what happens in every beginning of every faith. Same thing happened to the saints and the early Christians and the Christ. And, you know, Moses and, and his people had their troubles. They were all enslaved. And it just keeps repeating itself, it seems like. So what was your initial reaction to hearing about the Baha'i faith? Well, I make the analogy that it was like there was a train at the station and you, and you didn't want to miss it. You know, I, di- I didn't want to miss getting on that train. Had you recorded any music before you met your future wife and became a Baha'i? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Mostly I was going to school, and I did a little bit of recording in school and composing. Before we got married, she spent some time in France as a governess in a little restaurant taking care of the, of the kid. She was away for her birthday, and so while she was away, I wrote and recorded a song for her and sent it to her. And then I did some other recordings for some friends. Mostly I was just studying. But after I became a Baha'i, I wanted to use my music in the faith more. And I'm able to do that a lot here in Los Angeles and different parts of the world. But mostly I, you know, if I'm performing, I'm in a commercial environment, not in this spiritual environment. Right. But I try to make it a spiritual environment. There's certain types of music I don't like to play anymore. I'm in my 50s now, and I just don't think I should have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, you know, there's plenty of people that can do it and believe in it. You know, I don't want to play a whole lot of rock and roll anymore because I don't see it as something that works for me. It worked for me earlier, and there's, you know, then again, you know, almost always want to play a Beatles song. There are Beatles songs that are just wonderful. So I like, I've made some pretty kind of crazy arrangements of those. And I teach a class at the school where I work. I work at Musicians Institute in Hollywood, and I've been there for a long time. And so I made a class of arrangements for solo guitar for Beatles. And I teach it every quarter. And I have a new bunch of people in there every quarter learning them. And they seem to really like them. So is there one recording of a Beatle arrangement that you particularly like to share? Probably my favorite one is Blackbird.
So, Jamie, what was your first recording that you made after you became a Baha'i? Well, I had some friends here in Los Angeles. Their, their names were Seaforth and Jenkins, and they did two recordings, and I played with them. Casey Porter produced the first one, and then Robin Paul did the second one. And I played bass and a few guitar things and provided some I think I helped them with the music on their first record. Mm-hmm. And then the second record, they recorded a, a uh, version of the Remover of Difficulties that was my arrangement and my composition to the Bob's Word. I played guitar and bass on that. Since then, I, I put out some of my own stuff that Paul helped me produce. My first record was Wings of Light, and it was just an instrumental, guitar instrumental recording that's still available from my website. And then I did another one called Amigos del Corazon, and I recorded that in Germany. And that's a solo recording, solo guitar recording. And it has, you know, several solo pieces. I call it Baha'i-inspired. Your first solo album was Wings of Light? Wings of Light, yeah. And, and that featured some good Los Angeles-based musicians, the keyboard player Russell Ferrante, who is with the Yellow Jacket, and Gary Willis on bass, who played with Tribal Tech, and then he he also played with Wayne Shorter and lots of different folks. And then the percussionist, who is probably best known for his work with Weather Report, he also played with Chick Corea. His name is Alex Acuna, and he's on drums and percussion on that record. It's actually a really nice record. It has some solo pieces, and it has some trio pieces with guitar and bass, drums, and some two quartet pieces with guitar, keyboards, bass, and drums. So that's Wings of Light, and then the second one was, was Amigos del Corazon, and that, the title track from that recording was from a trip I went on to Honduras and met the Baha'is in Honduras and really was affected by their wonderful spirituality and, and the dedication to Baha'u'llah and the teaching. Tell me a little bit about Wings of Light. One of my teachers at the school where I went, which is the school where I teach, is, is the GIT. You know, his name was Don Mock, and he would play these really fast sambas in kind of a crazy way, and, and I was inspired by him. I guess his style inspired this music and the, the idea of us being positive creatures that 
We could do that with wings of light. The wings signifying what, Jamie? Wings signifying that we have help from on high, from angels, and just spiritual beings that have gone before us that want to help us on this level.
quote from Baha'u'llah about the fashion, or let's see if I can find it. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is endowed with such potency as can, as can instill new life into every human frame, if ye be of them that comprehend this truth. All the wondrous works ye behold in this world have been manifested through the operation of his supreme and most exalted will, his wondrous and inflexible purpose. Through the mere mention of the word fashioner, issuing forth from his lips and proclaiming his attributes to mankind, such power is released as can generate, through successes, ages, all the manifold arts which the hands of man can produce. This verily is a certain truth. No sooner is this resplendent word uttered than its animating energies, stirring within all creative things, give birth to the means and instruments whereby such arts can be produced and perfected. All the wondrous achievements ye now witness are the direct consequence of the revelation of this name. In the days to come ye will verily behold things of which ye have never heard before. Thus hath it been decreed in the tablets of God, and none can comprehend it except those whose insight, whose sight is sharp. So I just see little helpers with wings on, mm-hmm. wings of light, helping us when that word fashioner mm-hmm. is spoken. I don't know, I see a lot of images. That's kind of what happens when I play my music. I, I just see a lot of pictures in my mind. <laughs> well, I... I like it. I like it a lot. I think you know. Maybe some people can would think of it as being crazy, but it's not. It's, you know, I don't see harmful stuff. I just see beautiful stuff. You know, that's really interesting, uh, Jamie, because I just interviewed Darlene Gate from uh, the west coast of Canada, your Vancouver Island, and she and she's a painter, and basically mm-hmm. she's saying exactly the same thing in the form of her painting is that she's painting these spiritual things that she sees that she can only express through her painting. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing, only it's through your art, which is music. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of pieces right now that I could go and record, and it's, it's like I'm so busy living life. You know, working at the school where I am, I, I'm busy... You know, I'm so busy, I don't even have time to to do the art that I've been given. Mm. <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah. And I need to, I really need to make time for it, because they're beautiful pieces. I, I don't think they'd get played if I don't do them. And I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really a balancing act between service, but then if there's something only you can produce because it's coming out of you, I feel your dilemma. <laughs> I did a recording about three or four years ago. I'm a solo artist. I, I play by myself, and I've always loved the music in the Baha'i faith, whether it's the choral music or the Persian music or, you know, simple pop songs that, you know, we got lucky to have as a hit by Seals and Cross or whomever, you know. And I, I did a recording about three or four years ago of ten of those songs, I did Toko Zani, which is that Swahili piece from South Africa. And I did Obahalala, which is from the World Congress, written by Tom Price. I did Dustan Begir, which is 
Take My Hand, Abdu'l-Bahá, which is a Persian choral piece. And, you know, I did 10 of these recordings. I also did the Hawaiian Unity song. And that's as a download at, at tribalglobal.com. It's a friend of mine's website who's from Scotland. He, he helped me produce it, and we put it on his label. I got an email from one of my students who's not a Baha'i just a couple days ago. I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. He had to drop out of school and go home and help his mom with some surgery while she was getting surgery and take care of her. And he sent me an email, and, and at the end of the email, he told me that he really liked my Reflections CD, which he downloaded, which was really surprising to me because all this Baha'i music that I did it for Baha'is, but, but he really likes it as mm. a solo guitarist himself.
I know that I need to continue with that with my own pieces because I've got like 15 or 16 of them. So I, it could actually be two CDs. So I, I know I really have to finish up on that. <laughs> well, let's go back to your CD, uh, Wings of Light. And sure. can, you, can you tell me more about the song Glad Tidings before I play that one? The term Glad Tidings, Baha'u'llah uses the term Glad Tidings it's from his book, The Glad Tidings, which is a, a compilation of his writings translated by his great-grandson, Shoghi Effendi, the guardian of the Baha'i faith. Here is a quote from that, from one of the... Uh, it's actually the, the Tablet of Carmel. And he says, Oh, how I long to announce unto every spot on the surface of the earth and carry to each one of its cities the glad tidings of this revelation a revelation to which the heart of Sinai hath been attracted, and in whose name the burning bush is calling unto God the Lord of Lords along the kingdoms of earth and heaven. That's actually a quote from the Queen of Carmel, that song about the, the shrine of the Bob. Yeah, actually, that the whole Queen of Carmel song is quotations from uh, the Tablet of Carmel. I, actually, I, I recorded that as a solo guitar piece, which really doesn't do service to it, since it's <laughs> the writings of Baha'u'llah. But, it's a nice, but, but you were inspired, uh, right? <laughs> I, well, I was inspired. Yeah, right. I, I went off musically on the writings of Baha'u'llah. So, the Glad Tidings is it's this 12-string piece. It's an, a musical inspiration of those writings.
my writings are so vast, and only about six or seven percent of them have been translated into English thus far. Most of which has been done by Shoghi Effendi, the guardian of the Baha'i faith, the great grandson of Baha'u'llah. I like to think of it as just a little bit, little sparkle, a little luminescence from what the what the faith teaches. It's just I tried to capture a little bit of that light in the in the sound of those notes that I put together. That's all it is. As long as I've been playing music, I just was kind of hopeful that there was some kind of system that that I could employ to to put the notes together. And of course, that's, I guess, the theory and the harmonic structure of music. You know, if you if you use that structure, it, the notes sound good. And if you, if you don't use that structure, you're liable to have some notes that don't sound good. Right. Although, even though I think almost everything has been tried musically, there's still some stuff that people find that hasn't. That's why we have new music. Is they're putting no, notes together in a different way that no one else has done before. It's the same way with words, you know. People put ideas together in a different way that, than other people. They may sound like Hemingway, or they may sound like Shakespeare, or they may sound like, you know, E.E. E. Cummings or any number of writers, but if you've got your own way of doing it, you're putting them together in a different way than anyone else has, and that's what makes the your writing special in the same way with composition. There's only 12 notes, but <laughs> you put them together in a certain way and play them in a different way than anyone else's, and then that, that's your music. But still, it's noise. It's organized noise, organized sound. That's what it is. So to talk about it is it's difficult. You know, right. you ask me to talk about glad tidings, and it's like, well, <laughs> I Understood. put these notes together, and I hoped it was going to sound pretty, you know? <laughs> well, and it does, and I like playing it, but listening to it is what it's about, I think. It's hard to talk about it. Sure, <laughs> sure. What I was thinking was just, you know, what was it that inspired you to write this song? And the fact that it was a quotation from the Tablet of Carmel provides a a background for somebody as they listen to, and the fact that you quoted the tablet was really nice. The term glad tidings, though, I mean, you know, we, we hear about that. I remember I was playing it once at, at a club in Los Angeles, and this person came up to me and asked me if I was a Christian. And I said, well, no, I'm actually, I, I believe in Christ, but I'm a, I follow the Baha'i faith, you know. And he thought because of the term glad tidings that I was a Christian. You know, these are the same glad tidings that all every manifestation has talked about. You know, it's, it's just been renewed. You know, every 500 to 1,000 years, God sends us a new messenger. And in 1844, he sent the Bob to announce the coming of him whom God shall make manifest, which is, of course, Baha'u'llah. The whole idea of the Bob coming, the whole reason he did was to get someone ready to accept Baha'u'llah. And that someone was the first adherence to the Baha'i faith, some of the followers of, of the Babi faith. So it's religion renewed, it's civilization renewed, it's the whole creation renewed in a way that hasn't been before, you know? So that's what the glad tidings is. To a certain degree, my puny little attempt at putting notes together is, <laughs> is not a very good representation of what the Baha'i faith is, although... You know, it's the only one I can produce. Well, but Jamie, what it is, is it's your reflection through music 
of the glad tidings. And I think that's yeah. of interest to people. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Thank you. So, All right. Let's go to Amigo del Corazon. Sure. Can you tell me what inspired the album and then in particular the track? Yeah, it was that teaching trip that I did in uh, 1994 to Honduras with Paul Seaforth and the friends I met down there and how they treated me. And I think we were gone for a little less than two weeks and they had something for us to do every day while we were there. We visited an orphanage. We went to a town called La Ceiba and did a concert that they recorded. And this was, you know, just the local media there. It wasn't the Baha'is at all. It was the local media. Recorded our concert and played it every night for the next week or two. We got to talk about the Baha'i faith, and they videotaped it and recorded it and played it every night for on TV in that little area. And then there was an orphanage. There's an orphanage there. This guy named Santiago, and he started a, an orphanage and uh, takes in all these girls from every possible scenario that for an orphanage that takes girls, you know, those kids come from those different scenarios. and They were so wonderful and showed us such love. And I was just really inspired by meeting all the people down there, Baha'i and not Baha'i, and how wonderful they were. That's what that song is about those those friends of the heart or amigos del corazon down in honduras and really it's not just honduras it's all over the world you know there's there's like-minded friends that are working for peace and working for the unity of mankind whether they know it or not you know and those are the friends of the heart the people you know i mean i've never even talked to you and yet you and i have the same goal in common and peace on earth and unity of mankind. And so we're friends of the heart. And there's there's millions and millions and billions probably of people all over the world that have that same goal in mind, whether because the civilization, the creation is vibrating to this new spirit that Baha'u'llah has released through his advent, you know. So that's what that is.
it almost seems like the music is an antiquated or, or not a very good means by which to spread this, except it's the only one we have, you know, just something beautiful, hopefully, that people listen to, and there's a spark there, hopefully. Almost any art form could contain it or G- try to contain it. Right. So, Jamie, it seemed like it resonated in Honduras. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was tremendous. <laughs> I've done a lot of different teaching trips. I've done two choirs with Tom Price and his, I can't remember the, what he calls it. Voices of Baha. Voices of Baha, thank you. The Voices of Glory. You know, we've gone to Europe twice, and he's taken them all over the world. And I've gone to China twice, once as a teacher of, of English as a secondary language. I got hired by a, a school in Hunan province in a city called Yuyang. We went with 25 teachers over there. My daughter and I did it, and then I was a counselor for my group, and then there were some other people in, this, in the same province, different city named Chengsha, and we were there for six weeks. And, you know, we had a remarkable experience, you know, because people are open. People's hearts are, are a flutter, I think, with this, this new spirit, whether they want to realize it or not. It's the going thing, <laughs> the unity of mankind. <laughs> so tell me about your teaching it's at school. Uh, at the school here in Los Angeles? Yeah. I've been there for, like I said, like 25 years, and I have several different classes I teach. There's two different programs. There's a, a program that's a year and a half long that, that is the, uh, offers an associate's degree, and then there's a four-year program that offers a bachelor degree, and I'm involved in both of them. I have, in the associate's degree, I teach the guitar te- classes I teach are, are single-string technique, or single-string improvisation, I should say, and rhythm guitar. And then there's another class that it's a, bl- a block of three classes, the single-string improvisation and the rhythm guitar and the rhythm section workshop. We refer to those classes as RSW where the student gets up every week and, and has to play a song and, you know, try to do a good job on it. Then I also teach that Beatles class, and then I also teach some harmony and theory and ear training classes. And that's all in the associate's, uh, associate's program. And then in the degree program, I teach a degree ensemble class on Fridays. And these students, they're bass players and keyboard players and singers and guitar players and drummers, they come in and they, they have a song that they have to perform at a particular level. They have to make it sound good each week. <laughs> and I teach that class. It's about a five-hour class. And each student has about a half hour to perform. And then I also, in each of the programs, the, the associate's program and the degree program, I also have private guitar students in those classes pretty fun, actually. It's, I have a guitar in my hand a lot, and, and I have people asking me questions and going, you know, jumping through certain hoops, trying to better themselves, and it's actually a very satisfying vocation. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and your music. You're, thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to do it. I hope I, hope I can come back and, and talk some more. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jamie Finley a professional musician and teacher of music at the Musicians Institute in Hollywood. His website is jamiefinley.com. 
For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.